The Wide Ride Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. The Miami Hurricanes are about to go to a bowl game if you want to go show support and get in the door with the lowest price possible or the best seats possible. Check out GameTime. The app, by the way, is handy not just for Canes football, Canes basketball, Canes baseball, whatever team it is that you root for. Music and theater tickets are also available. With Game Time, you can buy your tickets in just two taps. You know what I wish I could do in two taps? Fix Miami's offense. Hello? But until then, we've got Game Time. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Lamar. Winning lottery numbers coming up. I'm going to switch it up for y'all a little bit. Get crunk. You know why? Huh? It's hurricane season. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Surge. Surge. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Manny Jr. West Palm. Manny. 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 Good God. What do we have to do? He can't come back. It's no way. I will refuse to go to another game. I will refuse to support this team. I don't care what kind of recruits he gets. I don't think he's capable enough to coach these kids up where they need to be. Who wants to come to the school? Seriously, who? What five-star? I'm surprised he's getting the kids that he's getting. And I thank God they are coming. And hopefully... Something will happen, but it will never happen with Manny Diaz at the helms. He has failed us all. He promised an offense that will cause havoc. I didn't know that the offense was going to cause havoc on the fans. Manny, Raul from Hialeah. People, uh, I cannot begin to tell you the disappointment with this season and his loss to the Duke Blue Devils. Hi, Manny. Los Diablos Azules esto. Nos pusieron los cuernos en el culito, Manny. I cannot believe it, Manny. This is crazy, Manny. And what's Manny Diaz going to do in the press conference tomorrow, Manny? Eh? Eh? What's he going to do? He's going to sing Mili Vanilli? Blame it on the rain. Yeah, yeah. Is that what he's going to do, Manny? Blame it on the rain? Because he, he don't blame it on the people that need to be blamed, Manny. He don't blame Danino. He don't blame Big Baker. He don't blame the sorry defense or the sorry offensive line. No, 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 no. He gonna fix things, money. He gonna fix it. Pero I don't see nobody fixing nothing, money. Eh? Llama un plomero. Llama un contractor. Llama a mi primo que, que, que he fix everything. He fix your house. He fix your toilet. He fix your car. He fix your woman. He clean her pipe. You do whatever you want, money. Pero este tipo, you don't know what he's doing. Oye, eh, eh, now we are worried about the commitments. The commitments, money. Eh, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to be committed, money. I'm going crazy with this team, money. Oye, it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Un día bien, un día mal. It's like uh, uh, Steve Arkell and Stefan Arkell. Se ve bien un día, malito el otro. It's like Hansel and Raul. Everybody knows Hansel is the best. Okay, Raul is just a guy. So, last night we played like Raul. My God, man. What are we doing, money? Right, are we worried about the ball game? What ball game are we going to go to? Ah, mira, the only place they're going to is Bird Bowl in La Cuarenta. That's the only place we're going to, money. Okay? Maybe if we get lucky, we go to Bolero and Dolphin Mall. We get upgraded a little bit. 
But we're not going bowling in a good ball money. We might as well go play in Kandahar or uh, Timbuktu. I don't know. I don't know when a ball game is going to be money. I am money. Hi, this team is stressing me out, money. I, I've aged like a like hundred years, money. Me parezco Benjamin Button cuando nació. I can't take it anymore, money. I can't take it anymore. I'm about to be Baker active, but not Blake Baker active, because if it was Blake Baker active, I wouldn't be able to be held down. They couldn't tackle me or keep me in the hospital. This is terrible, Manny. This is terrible. I cannot wait for the off-season for me to start fantasizing again about possibilities, about how good this thing could be, because let me tell you something. The reality is caca. Caca money. This is the mediocre Miami. I, I am at a loss for words, man. Estoy como el Lauren and Charlie at the beginning of the show. Slavido, Slavado, mediocrity incorporated. Ya no puedo, money. Bye. Welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, joined this week once again by our uh, friend Calvin Harris, three-time national championship starting center back in the uh, 80s and early 90s. And uh, Kelvin, um, you know, this season obviously didn't go the way the Hurricanes were hoping, finished 6-6 six and six with Saturday's loss to uh, Duke 27-17. to I'm actually up in New York right now uh, recording this podcast because I was planning to visit a couple of uh, recruits up in this area uh, for Miami as part of the 2020 class. And um, I, I know as a guy who, who loves uh, this program, bleeds orange and green, pays attention to every detail, talks to players, you, I know that you're hurting. And I know uh, seeing this program struggle the way that it has this season hurt you. That said, I think you're one of the few who still believes in Manny Diaz, still believes in what he's doing, what Dan Enos is trying to do with the offense. And I know everybody's angry, everybody's upset, they just want to see blood and they want people fired, but um, you and I talked quite a bit this weekend. Um, I'm of the opinion after walking out of there that a lot of these issues um, are, are related to the offensive line. I think that's the one thing that was really, really evident after what I saw on Saturday. You've seen why basically five or six guys have played on this offensive line. And, you know, when, when injuries happen, it completely disrupted everything that they were doing. Jaron Williams was completely ineffective. And uh, even though Manny Diaz said the effort was there, there was clearly a lack of skill, a, a lack of development in some of those backups. Uh, Kylie on Herbert came in off the bench and struggled. He gave up uh, seven pressures, uh, including a sack. Uh, and it kind of disrupted everybody else on the line. Ja'Kai Clark gave up six pressures and two sacks. Zion Nelson gave up five pressures and two sacks. Miami as a team gave up 33 quarterback pressures, uh, which is the most all season, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, they gave up 25 to the Gators. It was nine sacks total in the game. Miami finishes the year with 47 sacks allowed. We've talked about the lack of the running game. I know you're close with those guys on the offensive line. I know it's an issue for you at heart. Um, where do you feel on this Monday morning um, about this this offensive line and this team going forward? I mean, I feel good. Actually, I do feel good about the future. Um, and I feel somewhat good about the O-line because we have all six guys who started the game coming back and those six guys are pretty good. It's seven and eight and that's what really disheartened me was the fact that 57 and they don't even deserve to have their name said 57 and 75 came into the game and laid excuse my French, they laid a fucking egg. You know, and as a guy who was in that position, um, who got his number called 
when he was a backup in the heat of a game and had to go in there. And, and, and actually, one time it was against San Diego State, um, who was blitzing everybody, including the, the paper boy, the peanut guy, the team chaplain, moms, dad, everybody was coming. And we didn't have shot. We didn't do shotgun. So I had to come in as a center. Not only did I have to get the, get the snap to Craig, but I had to figure out who was blitzing and pick up the right guy. So that means that I had to study. I had to be ready to play. And all of us were ready to play. That's been that's been the whole mantra of this program. When your number call, you step up. And these two dudes, they should have made them walk their ass back to the campus. Because that was ridiculous. Because that was the difference in the ball game. Because when uh, Campbell and Nervon went out late in the second quarter, we couldn't do anything else. Because... You know, we couldn't pass, we couldn't pass pro, um, and it made the quarterback fidgety. Because at some point, you get tired of getting hit in the mouth. But, and, and you know, um, Ja'Kai had to move over, and that probably was new to him, playing on the left side, because he doesn't do it every day, and it's not your dominant hand. So he's making an adjustment in-game, and you're, and you know, don't get caught up in the name. Chris Rump was a was a freshman All American. Um, the the Ingu, however you say the Ingua DK the the other end is a grown man, and they had some really solid the Cyrenoid kid. We talked about him last week. They had a good D line and they moved around. And when those fifty seven and seventy five got in the game, it was bad because now they not only weren't technically sound, they weren't mentally sound. And they just wreaked havoc. And teams can sense when you can't block. And they step up the pressure. They started blitzing safeties and linebackers. And it was tough. And then the defense finally broke. The, the dam broke. And, you know. But the six guys that we have that play on a regular basis have gotten better. Um... Nervon's not going to play in this bowl game. That actually gives Campbell a chance to start, and I think he may start at tackle. And that's going to help us. Now, we need 57 and 75 to do some work during this bowl practice and get better because if anybody gets hurt during the bowl game and they got to come back in, Manny, you're coming out of the booth. I've already, ta I've already talked to Coach Barry. Uh, he just wants to know what number you want and just be on standby. <laughs> well, I was ready to come out of the booth on Saturday. I'll tell you that when I saw uh, Jaron Williams getting sacked as much as he was and, and the amount of pressure that Duke was able to put on Miami's quarterbacks this game. And look, I know uh, there are probably a lot of people listening to this podcast who are like, you guys are making excuses for Dan Enos and you're making excuses for Manny Diaz. And, you know, this program is sucked for too long and they got to fire people. I know that's what everybody wants this morning. Everybody wants blood. They want changes to the offensive coordinator. They think, you know, go out and get Graham Harrell from USC or one of these other guys. I know you've seen all the names out there. Run the spread. That's going to fix everything. Look, I, I agree. There are some things in terms of play calling that I think you have to kind of scrap. I think the RPO offense, when you can't run the football, it's kind of what's the point of even trying to fake handoffs? You know, I understand you're trying to keep the defense honest, but I, I think part of the issue you have with Jaron Williams is, I think when he's trying to run the RPO offense, he takes his eyes off the field for a second. And for a guy like him 
who struggles to find open receivers. We saw that against FIU. There were guys open. I think there's no point in running the RPO. I think you got to scrap some of those elements to adjust, once again, to inefficiency and deficiencies that you have on your team. And I think certainly you can do that, um, you know, in, in, if you're Dan Enos. You have to sort of start to make adjustments to, hey, our offensive line isn't very good. Our uh, quarterback struggles with these situations. Um, look, the bottom line is I, I think this has a lot to do with personnel and recruiting and making this team more talented. I was talking um, to Mike Zimmerman, my producer, before you joined on uh, off air. And, you know, the one thing I brought up to him and, and people seem to forget this. OK, like it's, it's like we remember only when the draft comes along. But go back and look at the number of offensive players that have been drafted over the last five years. Um, I'll give you the names. Travis Homer, sixth round pick. Chris Herndon, fourth round pick. Mark Walton, fourth round pick. Braxton Berrios, sixth round pick. You have David Njoku, who's a first rounder. Okay. Um, Brad Kaya, sixth rounder. Stacey Coley, seventh rounder. Marquez Williams, seventh rounder. Um, you know, then you get to Eric Flowers and, and, and Dorsett, who are, who are a pair of first rounders, but that's back in 2015. My point is this program hasn't been loaded with offensive stars. Okay. Um, it just hasn't been. David Njoku is the one first rounder in the last four years. And I, you can look at this roster right now and say to yourself, who's really the, the guy that, that's going to be the NFL star in the future on offense besides Brevin Jordan? You know, even DJ, people talk about him being a fourth, fifth round type pick uh, at running back. There are no, uh, to me, superstars on this offense. And, um, you know, that's a problem. That's a problem that I think has to be addressed in recruiting. Um, it has to be addressed with player development. And the thing everybody keeps forgetting is Manny Diaz's involvement. Again, I'm not defending him. Yes, he was here for three years with Mark Rick, but he had nothing to do with the players that were recruited on offense. And yes, Dan Enos, you can't say that this has been a successful year for him. The offense in general, the scoring is down. The, the red zone efficiency, touchdown efficiency is way down from what Mark Rick uh, did you know that the, the uh, third down conversions they're dead last in the country running game 120 3.85 yards per carry I mean there's so many areas where this team took a step back but I think you have to put it all in context and say look at that effing offensive line and how bad it is look at that offensive line and how young and inexperienced it is and really put it into context because I think everybody just wants to say because they're so angry that it's been 15 years of mediocrity it's like Dude, this is a new group dealing with this problem. There's been previous groups that, to me, just haven't addressed it. There, you know, Mark Rick did not recruit many first-round picks to this team. Um, so, to me, uh, you know, it's a continuation of what's been there. Do changes have to be made? Yes. I think you got to make some changes on the offensive staff. And I think, you know, Manny Diaz went on the Joe Rose show this morning. He talked about the step back that they took in, in the passing game. He talked about receivers. You know, yes, D. Wiggins developed this year, but where's D. Wiggins been the last couple of weeks after his three touchdowns against FSU and Louisville? Uh, Jeff Thomas, where's he? He disappeared. Again, those guys were not getting open on Saturday against Duke, a team that really defensively, outside of the pressure that they're able to put on opposing teams, they get run on very easily. And, and you know, they were beaten for big pass plays this season. So, again, Miami has to go out recruit better players. They have to coach them up better. And this isn't a problem that gets fixed in one year. This isn't even a problem that gets fixed in two years. This is a problem that is a three to four year process because as Manny Diaz said on the radio today, you have to stack recruiting class upon recruiting class. He's done that with defense. He just hasn't had the opportunity yet to do it on offense. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you got to stack the offense 
it all starts with um, stacking the old line. And here's the problem that Miami is running into. Being down in South Florida, there's a lot of skill talent available. There's not a lot of O-line talent available. People will 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 say, what are you talking about? The, 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 the most talent in all of the country is in South Florida, but not at the O-line position. And to be frankly honest, in the state of Florida, <laughs> there's not a lot of O-line talent. Now, one place there usually are bigger kids is Jacksonville. And we have a, we, we have actually at some point in some ways supplanted both Florida and Florida State at being able to go into Jacksonville and get get high quality players. Because we got the best defensive player out of Jacksonville and the best O lineman out of Jacksonville. But where we need and I agree with you, we don't have the superstar. We guys got we got guys that got potential. Like Jeff Thomas I wouldn't be surprised if he kept his head straight and things rolled the right way for him. He became really good in the NFL because he has certain traits. But then there's just certain things about him that says it's going to crash and burn. And D. Wiggins has the frame. But these guys are just not physical at getting off jams and getting separation. And you're right. We don't have a superstar player other than Brevin Jordan. What Miami, and, and the other thing I think that Miami falls into, all the guys you named were challenged, um, I think, physically from being first-day draft picks. Because the, the draft is not about talent. It's about measurables. You know what I'm saying? It's not even about stats anymore. It's about measurables and covering your ass. So if... I draft Manny Navarro, and he fits the measurables of a first-round draft pick, and he flames out. That's not my fault. That's Manny. He just was a loser. Now, if I draft Manny, and he's 5'9", 200, runs a 4'6", and he flames out, I'm clearing out my desk. So nobody takes chances. Everybody knew Mark Walton was going to be a pro. Now, he has some issues. And they weird their ugly head. <laughs> um, you know, Rayshon Jenkins, uh, Jaquan Johnson, football players, but not first-round draft picks. But offensively, losing Amon Richards has really hurt this offense for multiple years. Because Amon Richards would have been the first receiver in the draft last year. And that changed the whole makeup of the offense. And we're still recovering. Now, looking at our schedule next year, we can start the season 4-0. It all depends on what Jaron Williams does during the spring and offseason. Because, yeah, you're right. He has trouble finding receivers. Part of that is he's learning a new offense. And part of it, and I've said this to you a few times, I don't think he watches enough film. Because... You know, you guys haven't, they've never allowed you to go into the meeting rooms with the coaches. But from, you know, the, the stuff that I've watched of him at Alabama and in clinics and on the practice field, um, the process that he sends them through, Jaron 
is still trying to figure it out. Like people complain about the, the huddle and the slowness. Well, if you notice, when he looks at that 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 wristband, it takes him forever to process it. So I expect all of that to speed up next year. And like I said, I like the six linemen. Of all the problems we have on offense, the one that worries me the most is the receivers. I mean, D. Wiggins showed flashes, but then like this, like you said, these last two weeks he went in the witness witness protection program. I think the one thing that I'm I'm interested to see is what happens with um Peyton, how he performs in the spring and in fall camp, because I think he could be the X factor. But defensively, the last two, three years, the defense has been playing at a top five, top ten level. It's the offense that's let us down. Yeah, it's to me it's totally been offense related. And and the defense, again, uh, they, look, the, Diaz said it this morning on the Joe Rose Show. There's going to be a step back. When you lose three of your starters in the secondary and, and leaders like Jaquan Johnson and Sheldrick Redwine and Michael Jackson, guys that – made them the number one pass defense in the country, you're going to take a step back. That said, you still were very good at creating sacks, tackles for loss, uh, still very good at at really holding teams in check. And as Manny Diaz pointed out against Duke, you know, they scored touchdowns on a short field, you know, uh, because of that punter. They had a great punter in that game, and it helped them out. And look, again, I'm not defending Diaz. I'm not saying six and six is acceptable. I know that that's listeners. That's all they want. Again, blood. They want blood. They want firings. Uh, but the reality is the defense is not the issue. It's the offense. And it was a failure this year. They failed to get the quarterback situation resolved. Diaz spoke this morning. He said, look, his three goals this season were to get the weight room fixed, get the recruiting room right and then fix the quarterback position. Well, guess what? He got the first two done, I feel like. Again, they're still not recruiting as good as you want in South Florida, but we know what that's all about. We know that that that's about uh, winning on the field and getting those kids to believe in you. Uh, that said, they still have a top 20 recruiting class right now, in spite of the fact that they've now had back-to-back six-loss seasons. So I feel like there, there has been some progress made in the recruiting room, but certainly quarterback – you know, I think the biggest thing now is you have to ask yourself, is Jared Williams still the guy uh, at, at this position? And I think Manny Diaz talked about it today on the radio. I think he feels like you have to take a step back and really look at that situation and look at a guy like Tyler Van Dyke, who uh, lives up here in the Connecticut area and, you know, was a very good baseball player and quarterback. And I saw him at the Paradise Camp, thought he was really impressive with arm strength and height and everything else. Maybe he's a better fit for what Dan Enos wants to do with this offense. Maybe he's the better quarterback for the future. I don't know. We're going to have to see here. Um, but the good news is there are going to be a lot of recruits who come in uh, with the early signing period. As, as uh, Manny Diaz said today on the radio, there's going to be about 14 to 15 early enrollees who are here in January, uh, a part of the signing class um, and, and in, involved in spring football. And it's going to be a lot of competition. And that's really what this team needs. Um Kelvin, you know, I was on the sideline at the end of the Duke game. I went down to the field with about five minutes to go. And I said, let me let me stand uh, behind the sideline and just observe. Let me see, um, you know, what these guys are really all about. And, you know, Nikosi Perry walks over to Cam Harris, puts his arm around them and they're smiling and they're kind of laughing and joking. And, you know, the defense is on the field. Defense comes off the field. Uh, you know, the guys, you know, Shaq and Pinckney 
Um, they're kind of just, you know, chatting like nothing, you know. And the one guy who's crying on the sidelines is Nesta Silvera. The one dude who is like torn up about losing to Duke is Nesta Silvera. Everybody else, it's like business as usual. It's like, yo, they, they lost to Duke for the second year in a row. They're six and six. And I did not get the sense at all that people were really upset about it. And I'm not saying they don't care, Kelvin, but I certainly I, I certainly am a big believer in body language. I'm certainly a big believer in what I see with my eyes. And, you know, to me, that's Manny Diaz's biggest issue. He needs to bring in some real leadership, some guys who are going to be able to influence everybody on this team to care all the time and not choose when they want to care but really care all the time. And I think in this recruiting class, there are guys like that. There are guys that really care about winning. And, you know, Xavier Restrepo, uh, who's a three-star kid out of Deerfield Beach, a guy who's probably going to be a lot like Braxton Berrios, he's one of those kids who really cares. Last week when I was down at UM, you know, he's bringing in uh, Jalen Knighton and some other teammates uh, from Deerfield Beach, you know, to come down and talk to coaches. Uh, you know, he's a kid that, that's stepping forward in that regard. I think a guy like Don Chaney Jr. is another one. He, I know he's reached out to other recruits in this class. This 2020 recruiting class really does care and really is sticking together. Um, and, you know, I reached out to, to uh, D- uh, Don Chaney's father this morning. I said, how did the meeting go? Because Manny Diaz went out. He met with three players. He had in-home visits with three players. Don Chaney Jr., Elijah Roberts from Columbus, the four-star defensive end, and uh, – Miramar safety, Brian ba- uh, Balaam. Those are the three guys he met with. So I, I messaged Chaney. I said, so what, how did the meeting go? He says, uh, he says, great home visit. I said, is everything still 100 with Miami? He says, there must be some rumor out there that he's not all in. He says, look, we understand the controversy as well as the adversity surrounding the program right now, but we are committed to being part of the solution versus the problem. Dade County is loaded with talent and the ones that need to leave because it's better for the circumstances Um, But for us, we clearly understand that the University of Miami should be stocked with talent and we want to be part of the solution. So, again, there are some guys who Miami is recruiting who want to help the program get better. And and certainly they're recruiting other high school players and they're talking to them and trying to get this thing going in the right direction. So when Manny Diaz goes on the radio and says, hey, we got a class that's really sticking together. I believe him because I myself talk to these players and it really feels like. This is this is a pride factor. And I think that's what Manny really needs to instill in this program. He needs to to sort of eliminate the this idea of it's okay to lose to Duke and it's okay to lose to Georgia Tech and bring in guys who deeply care about winning. Because I think the one thing that has has lasted over these last 15 years is that attitude. There's nobody around to teach these kids how to be winners. There's nobody around. There's no national champions on this roster who are around besides Mike Rumpf. There's no national champions around to really deliver that message. And I think that's what Manny's trying to do. He's trying to recruit some kids that win state championships that are good leaders so they can infect that disease and get rid of the other one. Yeah. Um, you know, you've talked to some of the kids and I've talked to some of the parents. And look, what the fans need to understand is, and you know, me and Lamar Thomas were talking about this is we're going to be able to get kids, um, believe it or not, because you got to understand something. I'm, I just turned 50, so I'm part of the 90s, the 80s, and the 90s, all right? 
10 years later was 2001. So if you look at the time frame, parents now of the kids that we're recruiting are in the age range of, say, 38 to, say, 55. That spans the glory years. So, and this is what helped Lamar recruit when he was at Louisville and Kentucky. He would walk into a home and the parents knew who he was. And they were excited to see him. You know, because he was on the documentary, one. And two, if they were UM fans, they remember him from when he was running by people. Well, now, when that U logo walks in the house, they may not know the coach, but they know. They remember. There's fond memories. And there's a good chance that the kid has grown up with the same. Because if you think about it, you think about all these like the Greenberg guy on Get Up, he always talks about his dad used to always take him to the Mets and the Jets games. Well, the Mets and the Jets sucked, but that's the team he grew up with. And there's a lot of kids in South Florida, and that's the reason why when we lose the FIU and Duke, it's because them kids want to be UM guys. So recruiting ain't going to be a problem. You know, the bag, we, we fighting the bag, yeah. But let me tell you something. Those Colombian women... Those Brazilian women in that beach is undefeated. <laughs> just, just, just take a look at Tate Martell. He, his parents may want him to leave, but he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> you know, because hey, Brazil is strong. And then, you know, for those who haven't ever been to South Florida, there's two or three different cities inside this one area. I mean, Coral Gables is totally different from Fort Lauderdale, and you can. You can live in, Fort, in in South Florida in one part of the area, but just be in a totally different realm as as another part. And you're right. There are no winners. There are no champions down there um, other than Rump. I'm trying to think. Uh, Enos was in a championship game last year, and he's got Bama on his, uh, on his, on his resume. Uh, um, well, Todd Stroud, I think he has a... Or does he? I'm not sure. You know, he was not sure. I mean, we're just going down the list. It's, you're right. There's just not a lot of, not a lot of, there's not not a lot of titles in that room. I mean, they're on the wall, and guys come back and talk to him, but you know, he has to set the culture. And I think what's going to happen, you're going to hear behind the scenes because you're a reporter. Of there's going to be some, um, it's going to be some rifts come spring practice because those freshmen they're gonna come in there they're gonna smell blood and they're gonna have sharp teeth and there's gonna be some guys who have have had positions and have gotten somewhat complacent and feel entitled and they may lose their position and that's not gonna sit well but the reality is if you have been playing great and we had more wins your position would be more secure and Manny's talking about there's not a lot. They don't have enough depth at certain positions to strike the fear of losing your position in some guys. Like honestly, uh, guys, you know, you hear you hear us talk about it all the time. I mean, I'll give you the prime example of if you snooze, you lose. Jimmy Jones played defensive tackle. Started in '88 and a lot of 87. 
okay, he had a family. He had a wife and a kid. So Coach Johnson cut some kind of deal with him where he didn't really have to come to class. Well, he didn't have to come to off-season workouts and practice because he had a job. He was still in school, but he was working. Okay, Jimmy leaves and Coach Erickson comes in. So the D-line coach was a guy named uh, Bob Carmelowitz. And so o Coach Ogeron was the uh, was the GA. And he, you know, basically ran down everything to him. Well, Jimmy was gone all spring. Cortez had the spring of a lifetime. I mean, he ran through us like a hot knife through butter. Jimmy comes back. Carmelo says, hey, man, I know you're a good player, but I don't know you. That Cortez guy, that's our starter. The rest is history. <laughs> I mean, it was a Wally Pip moment. And, and it's always... Maurice Crum. I remember uh, Bernard Clark was the fourth linebacker. Something happened with Rod Carter. Crum got a start. Took Tiger forever to get back in the lineup. Same thing happened with Daryl Fullerton. He was our nickel back in '87. He gets hurt. Robert Bailey comes in. They didn't. He didn't speak to Bailey for weeks. I mean, <laughs> because he lost his job and he was a senior. He lost his job to a freshman. We don't have that in a lot of positions right now. But I think after this class and with some of the young guys that were registered this year, you will see the competition ramp up and you will see the intensity ramp up. But I'm with you on that not caring. We can't get used to losing the Duke. That that has, it needs to be I need to have had you tell me um Saturday, yo, you won't believe this. Such and such and such just came to blows in the locker room. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. I need, I mean, I need to hear some fighting going on, you know, something. Well, that's what uh, culture is all about. And, and resetting that is, is really what Manny Diaz's number one priority was. You know, that, that extends beyond the weight room. It's not just, hey, are guys coming in, lifting, getting bigger, stronger, faster, but are they, are they putting that fight forth every single game? And Manny said the effort was there against Duke. Uh, much better than it was against FIU. But again, that should never be an issue. You know, effort should never be an issue that's raised. The culture should always be there. The striving for for, for, for much more should always be there. And I think that just comes down to leadership. You know, he, you need to recruit more alpha males, more guys that uh, are going to, you know, kick somebody's ass if, if you accept losing to Duke. I think that's what you need in, on this team. And I think that's what's been lost throughout these 15 years of mediocrity. There's a couple things I want to touch on before we wrap this up. Um, you know, from a recruiting perspective, there's obviously going to be a lot of news here in the coming weeks because coaches are going to be out on the recruiting trail uh, before bowl practices start. Um, first of all, it seems like Miami is going to be going to Shreveport, Louisiana for the Independence Bowl. Most of the projections have Miami going there. That's a lower tier ACC bowl game. It's either Shreveport, in my opinion, or Detroit, the quick lane bowl. Or essentially, if Miami gets lucky, Annapolis, Maryland to go play in the military bowl. But I think those are pretty much your selections. I, I don't think Miami will fall any lower than the Independence Bowl. But we'll see. From a recruiting perspective, uh, the Canes offered Jesus Machado, uh, a linebacker out of Hialeah Champagnat, uh, yesterday. And I expect him to commit pretty soon here. He's going to visit with Manny Diaz on Tuesday. Machado is a kid who basically had an offer from Alabama uh, when he was in the ninth grade and, and, you know, schools expected him to grow his, him, you know, he's his dad, I think is six, five, the kid's six, one, two, 15. He never grew. His body never grew. He ended up moving to linebacker this year at Champagnat, who's a very good, 
uh, team, a two-way state title contender. But basically, everybody in the country stopped recruiting this this kid. And Miami knew that if they offered him, he would commit on the spot. Coaches basically watched his entire senior year, studied what he did at linebacker before offering him, and they finally did on Sunday night. He's a good tackler. He's really hungry. And more than anything, he really wants to be a hurricane. And, you know, look, if you can put a guy like Jimmy Murphy on the field, who's 5'7", 195 pounds, and get something out of him, I certainly think you can get something good out of Jesus Machado. You need more kids like him who really want to be hurricanes, who really want to be here, and are talented. He's a very talented kid. He's just uh, an undersized defensive end. Um, another kid that coaches are going after now, again, is former commitment Darren Branch, who was committed to Ole Miss. You remember he flipped from Miami to Ole Miss. He's a three-star cornerback out of the Louisiana area, and the, I think Miami coaches are trying to go back and get him. Essentially, he needs a qualifying test score to get into college. He still doesn't have that. The thing is, he will be recruited all the way up until February, so you'll, you'll hear about that. I reached out to Trevon Hill last night, the defensive end for Miami. He confirmed to me that he's going to skip the bowl game. Uh, Hill tweeted out last night that he was turning pro. Essentially, that's what he was he, he was meaning. He's going to play in the senior bowl, finish the season with 27 tackles, four and a half sacks, 26 pressures on 206 pass rush attempts. Draft, uh, DraftScout.com ranks him as the fourth best, 14th best draft eligible defensive end. PFF, uh, Pro Football Focus, rated him as a seventh round uh, prospect earlier this year. So I wanted to just touch on those little storylines before we wrapped up here. Um, any final thoughts, Kelvin, uh, as as we step away here and coaches get into recruiting this week and, and the next two weeks? Yeah, I think they're going to close strong. I think he has um, – one of the things he's doing is he's trying to follow the Dabo formula of great talent and great character. And um, I think he's done a good job with this class. Uh, we need to move – on a couple extra receivers and a couple extra O-linemen. And um, I think I still think we got a legitimate shot to get this Justin Flo kid. The Machado kid is interesting because I remember watching him at Central. It's going to be interesting to see how he how he does it at, at Mike because he's probably going to end up being a Mike, maybe a Will. And he's got good football knowledge. I can see him being a, a great blitzer because of his pass rush ability. Uh, I just think that, you know, of those things that you said, man, he had to shore up. He said he had to shore up. I think it's more towards two and a half because, you know, we got two guys that we won games with this year. And they both improved from last year. Jared figured out his technique, made his throwing better. Now I think if he spends this offseason watching himself, watching film, he could take the next level and have a really great year next year. But I'm going to we're going to we really need to see him and those wide receivers put in the work. Because D Wiggins has shown flashes, but he like he took a step back. Mike Harley gives you everything he has. I still think he need all these guys need to be more physical. They need to be more physical. Like they need to be like having they need to ask Mike Irvin to come work out with them and learn how to push off because Mike was the push off king. He 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 made it he made it a, a a trend. You know, and we're not taking advantage. The kids aren't taking advantage of the resources of this program. 
guys who are willing to help for free, you know, just to pass the advice on. And um, you're right, we need more alpha dogs, Manny, but let me tell you something, Manny. This generation, it ain't a lot of pit bulls out there. It's a lot of chihuahuas, a lot of shih tzus, not a lot of pit bulls. Well, let's uh, let's hope Manny Diaz can find a few here to help turn this program around because it's not fun covering six and six football team. And, you know, again, as I wrote in my story uh, Saturday night after the game, uh, this is the eighth time since 2006 that Miami has lost six games in a season. So you can understand why fans are frustrated, why they have quick trigger fingers and why they're not going to be patient to sit there and watch this program just continue to slide and fall backwards. So hopefully Manny Diaz can fix it. Anyway, we got to go. Thanks for coming on, Kelvin, as always. Uh, thanks to my producer, Mike Zimmerman. That's going to do it for uh, this episode of the Wide Ride Podcast. Be sure to check us out again. I'm going to be visiting a couple of recruits here in the coming days uh, out of the area. I'm going to have some interesting interviews for you. So uh, be sure to tune in and check it out. All right, we'll see you next time. Osborne on that fade, cut through the defense like a blade. Got the best tied in tandem, and we proving it. O line, young and mean, ready to bust you in your teeth. Triple threat tattoo real, got your defense on their heels. Come to the hard rock, ain't no discussion, just deal with the repercussions. The new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami. Surge, surge, the new Miami, the new.